With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 84 of Cowboys Ride for Freedom podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing today? Uh, a little under the weather, but I'm doing all right. Hey, I'm glad you're powering through here. We got we to gotta get this thing out, right? I mean, yeah. Also, I, I can't complain too much. My pregnant wife is sicker than I am, so I kind of have to just man up and deal with it. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, it's kind of weird not being able, not really having much football to talk about this week. We don't have to preview a game or anything like that on this episode, but there is still is basketball this weekend. Uh, they're playing in the Twin Cities against the Minnesota Golden Gophers at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium uh, where the Vikings play, which is kind of a weird venue. Like, they're only doing, like, one side of it. it I just think it looks weird, but, you know, whatever. Isn't uh, this a, uh, they're testing it out for the Final Four, isn't that right? I think it's something like that, yeah. Yeah. But but they're playing it like in one of the end zones. Like it's not like they're playing like in the middle with you know the whole arena around them. So it, yeah. it looks kind of bizarre. Yeah, the pictures uh, are the court looks really neat, but it's a it's a weird setup. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how it goes. But it's also at nine o'clock too, which I think is weird because that's in the central time zone. So I think that's a that's a late game. Um, it's on Big Ten Network, so we don't really get to watch that, which kind of sucks. Um, well, I hope they do. The last time we played a we played a game at Maryland a couple of years ago, and and it was available somewhere I don't remember where, but we were able to get to it. I kind of hope they do the same thing because I'm gonna be, I mean I'm at it. I'm not gonna be able to watch. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be at a show Friday night, um, but at nine o'clock, a tip off. I'll probably be home in time for the second half, so I can at least watch that at worst on my phone in the car. So, but I just you, you hate when they have those kind of games and those kind of of Power 5 matchups, and it's on the Big Ten Network. Come on. Yeah, I know. But, so, I guess instead of ranting about what the heck is going on in this game, um, do you have any initial thoughts about how you think Oklahoma State's going to do and how they match up with this Golden Gophers team? Um, I'm a little worried. I'll be honest. Um, I think Minnesota is pretty good this year, uh, and I think that one of the reasons that OSU did so well against LSU was not just that LSU had a an overtime game against Florida State two nights ago, and you know you you just kind of caught them on an off day because they had a lot of freshmen, they had a lot of talented freshmen, they had a lot of freshmen, and, and I think OSU's I think OSU just caught them at the right time, uh, and they had some some senior leadership with with Waters and McGriff and Dizzy that was able to to play really well and beat them. Um, Minnesota. They've got a guy uh, in the name by the name of I think it's Jordan Murphy, who is, if I remember this correctly, he leads the the team in points, rebounds, and assists, and he's a forward, which means Cam McGriff better have himself a defensive performance on this guy, because that's nuts. I mean, you I'm not used to seeing a forward lead a team in assists. Usually, if you lead the team in rebounds, you don't also lead the team in assists. Unless you're like Russell Westbrook for the Thunder. So it's interesting. I think he's really good. He's going to be a very tough matchup for McGriff. Yeah, I and think he will. I just, I don't feel great about this game. 
but I I wasn't sure about LSU. I don't know. I think OSU can be competitive in this, but I don't. I just don't like the matchup. Honestly, I don't. I don't like that. Yeah, from what I'm looking at, you know, they got guys. They got guys six eight two ten, six nine two forty, six seven two twenty, uh, seven foot two forty five. Oh jeez. Uh, but they got a lot of length. It looks like, and I, I'll, be, I'll be full disclosure. I've not watched any Minnesota basketball this season, so this will be the first time I've gotten to watch them play. But they've won. They're five and one on the season, beating a couple of solid teams along the way. Uh, coming off a loss at Boston College, uh, but you know Jordan Murphy obviously is a pretty talented guy as a senior. Uh, but it, it's kind of weird as a forward leading them in points, and he does not shoot from three very well. So he looks like a guy that probably just kind of bangs around near the rim and just tries to get guys in foul trouble. And then when the defense collapses, kicks out to the shooters on the outside. And that's probably how he gets most of his assists, if I had to venture to guess. Um, this will be an interesting matchup. Like you said, I think this game is really heavily on Cam McGriff because that's not who I'd imagine uh, he's going to guard considering he's uh, Murphy's 6'6", 250, so he's built like Cam McGriff. They're about similar size. So I would imagine that that would be the main matchup to watch in this game. Yeah, he doesn't shoot well from three, but doesn't exactly shoot from three much. He's only he's two of seven. And I mentioned he leads the team in points and rebounds. He's averaging a double-double. He's averaging 14.3 points per game and 12.2 rebounds, 3.7 assists. He's averaging a double-double in points and rebounds. It's not like their schedule's been, like, brutal. But you've played Utah. You've played Washington. You have, you've played Boston College. They've, they've played a, a decent schedule. That's terrifying. Like, I just, I just have... A, Bad feeling that Jordan Murphy's just going to have himself again. I think Cam McGriff has been really good this year. He's really stepped into that leadership role. He's playing really well, and he's played some solid defense. But he's going to have to play his best game defensively and, and try and shut down Jordan Murphy because they've got two other guys that average. Uh, you know, Amir Coffee averages 14 points. Uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the other kid's name who averages 13.5. But I just, you know... When you've got a guy who leads the team in rebounds and assists, that means he's grabbing rebounds and, and, and passing them out. You've you've got to you've got to get those defensive rebounds. OSU hasn't done a great job of it this season so far, and they didn't do a great job of it against LSU. They have got to grab defensive rebounds and offensive rebounds and not give that team a chance to to get down the floor or to get second second shots. Like I just. That Murphy kid scares me, man. I, I, yeah, I'm sure he's gonna be really fun to watch. Uh, just unfortunately, he'll be on the other team. Yeah, which knowing, uh, knowing how Oklahoma State basketball works, he'll find a way to have a career day because that just seems to be the theme uh, the last couple of seasons for opposing teams. But I think for me, the biggest thing I'm gonna look for is I'm what as I'm looking at the roster, I see the length that they have, uh, especially from their starters. This game is gonna be a lot of can our shooters be effective from outside? Uh, I don't expect Oklahoma State to be able to bang around too much and. Uh, you know, get to the lane. If they do, they're going to hopefully they can foul. But if Zogwa can be effective from three and Lindy, and then you have Weathers, who's been a good outside shooter so far this season. Um, if you're going to get guys like that working early, I think Oklahoma State is going to be able to hang with them, but it's going to have to be two different styles of game from, you know, what we see from Minnesota compared to what we're going to see from Oklahoma State. I don't want to see them taking 35 or 40 threes, but if they can shoot right around 40% from three, I feel pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's. I agree. I'm I'm not even gonna try and predict actual scores for basketball because it's so finicky. But do you pick? Are you going to pick Oklahoma State in this game, or are you gonna take Minnesota? I'm gonna take Minnesota. That's because I picked Minnesota 
before the season. Um, I'm going to take Minnesota in this one. Uh, they've got a four-game stretch here. I mean, Minnesota at Tulsa, home for Houston, and then a game against Nebraska in South Dakota, which is a weird four-game stretch. And I, if they can go three and one or two and two in this, I think it's going to be. I think they're going to do well. Even two and two is a win. One and three is not good, but two and two would be would be fine. I I don't think they get this one. Um, I think they have a better chance in the in the next three than they do this one. I don't know what the crowd's going to be like because it's not at Minnesota. You know, it's at the Viking Stadium. Um, I would expect a decent crowd for it, but I just I don't know. I, I I'm not sure I can take. I'm not sure I can pick a W in this. I think it'll be a close game and a good game. I just I'm not sure if I can pick OSU in this one. I'm with you as well. I'm going to take Minnesota. I think it'll be probably within five to ten points. I think Oklahoma State's going to be able to play well enough to stay in the game. But I think at the end, uh, I'm going to take Minnesota here and kind of what is a de facto home game for them. Um, do you have any final thoughts on basketball before we move on? Um, just a weird, weird schedule this year. I think about this. Last home game they played was College of Charleston was back on November 18th. Next home game they play is December 8th against Houston. That is, what is that, six straight games on the road, either at neutral sites or on road games. That's a, that's a lot. And that's, you know, that's considering you started your season on the road. You've played two home games. You will have played seven games away from home of your first nine. That's rough. That is a tough start to the season. Now that can that can help a team out. You know, it it can kind of make or break them if they come out of that well. If their record is good out of that, it's going to help really bond them together, having to be on the road so much. And that's that's really going to help them with. You know their their Big Twelve conference schedule is. If you really looked, the Big Twelve did not do Oklahoma State any favors. They get three Saturday home games this season. Three. Out of out of nine home games, three are on a Saturday. Everything else is a weekday game. And one is in February, the other two are both in March. That is that's Absolutely. tough because it is a totally di- different atmosphere playing on a weekday than it is on a Saturday. Which means think about how many road games they have on Saturdays. It's a lot of Saturday road games. That means on Saturdays you're going to the opponent's arena when it's going to be far more full than yours has been during the week. Cause I, and that's not a knock on OSU fans. That's just college basketball. It's a lot easier to get fans to show up on a Saturday afternoon than it is on a Wednesday night. The Big 12 did OSU zero favors this season. And I, it's why I, I'm, I'm still not ready to say they're a tournament team. I think they are going to be better than everybody thought they were. I think they have been so far. But I'm still not ready to pay them as a tournament team because that is a rough schedule. That is a really, really rough schedule. Yeah, it's it's going to make for a tough season. Um, but playing this many games early in different environments, you know, I think that's going to do, you know, I think it's going to do some good things in the long run, especially for these freshmen that are getting significant minutes. Uh, and I think they'll play better at home for that. But for right now, it's, it's going to make for a tough season, especially first month, month and a half of the year. Yeah. All right, well. Yeah, so let's move on here. Uh, we don't since we don't really have any football to talk about. Uh, Mike has sent out uh, just for a roundtable mailbag, uh, but we ended up deciding to just put it on the podcast. Uh, this is kind of a good way to do it. I think it's a fun way to do it. So thank you to everyone that's sending questions on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, this first one uh, from Brian Metcalf, big fan of the site. Uh, we appreciate it. 
Uh, if Mike Yersich goes to Central Michigan, uh, where he's actually looking for a job, possibly, uh, who does Gundy interview for the offense coordinator job? Let's say top four. So, Philip, who were some of the best uh, Division Two and uh, FCS offense coordinators that Gundy could find on YouTube? Uh, well, I assume he would sit down at his uh, his old Mac at his uh, as uh, his ranch and just Google the top a- FCS offenses. Um, like Internet Explorer or something like that. Yeah, something Windows ninety five. He still got Windows ninety five. Um, well, the top top passing offense and number four in total offense would be the Samford. Uh, and Sanford's offensive coordinator is a guy named Russ Calloway. Um, so that'd probably be his first his first call is, is a guy named Russ Calloway. I don't know a lot about him. I haven't YouTube searched him. I don't know if he likes Legos as well. Uh, that would probably be his first call. Um, there's also, uh, let's see here, uh, Davidson's got the top overall offense, but that's a it's a rushing attack. We wouldn't we wouldn't go that route. Out for the ball uh, route. Yeah, that's 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 where I was. I would say Internet Word, but I have a feeling uh, their head coach, which used to be Texas Tech's offensive coordinator, is probably running that offense himself. So I don't think he's going to want to move back to the Big Twelve as an offensive coordinator. So that's probably my first pick is Russ Callaway. Um, but in all seriousness, um, you know there was a there was an article over the summer, uh, that, and forgive me for not remembering all the details. It's been a few months and a few nights sleep and a few beers since then. That where Gundy was basically quoted as saying, you know, the next next guy who he would probably pick for offensive coordinator would be somebody who had either previously played there or or coached at Oklahoma State. He seems to want guys, as we know at this point, who um, who who aren't going to be young, who aren't going to want to run off for a head coaching job after two seasons, uh, and are familiar with with Stillwater at Oklahoma State. It's not a long list of guys that I think I would I would trust to come be offensive coordinator. And and most of them, like I might have said, Jake Spavadol, but he just got the head coaching job at Texas State, and he was at West Virginia. It'd be a hard pull to get him. I don't, I don't know. To be perfectly honest, I, I wish I had a nice list of candidates. I don't know. <laughs> I hate, I hate that answer. I just, I just don't. Yeah, it's a tough thing because I just, for some reason, I just don't see there being a change offense coordinator. I just don't see him getting that job. And it's not that I don't think he's capable of being a head coach because he is very good at what he does. I just, I I think Mike Gundy likes having Mike Yersich around because he's stuck around for the past six years. Um, and it's not like Oklahoma State's offense has been terrible. It's not like he is good grief, no. fired, in my opinion. I, I, I don't think so. I can understand why people are upset with how the inconsistency of the offense and some poor game planning, and that's perfectly warranted. But that doesn't mean he's a bad offensive coordinator by any stretch of the imagination. But if I were to think of someone who I'd want to come back, um, if I'm Mike Gundy, Mike Holder, I'd get on a plane back to uh, Eugene, Oregon, and just hand Marcus Arroyo a blank check and say, come on back. Um, if you can, but I don't know if you're going to be able to pull him from Oregon, but that's the first guy I'd try and bring back if I could. I mean, maybe if you offer him coaching waiting, um, yeah, I, I'd pull that. I would also consider Graham Harrell down at North yeah, Texas. Yeah, that's as well. Um, I, I don't think you'd get – but here again, there's this problem with like Harrell. I don't think you're going to get him for very long. I think he'd be here for a year or two, and he'd be a head coach. And I just – with Son of Gundy's decision-making, it all and it's always felt like he wants to bring guys in. This is where what bugs me sometimes with Gundy. And I understand his appreciation for loyalty, um, but you look at like Alabama; they've had four different offensive coordinators in the last four years, and they're doing okay. 
Right. Um, and Gundy's desire to have guys that stick around for a long time so he doesn't have to keep bringing in new coaches. Like, I, I like Jim Knowles. I really do. And I think he's going to do a ju- good job at Oklahoma State. But I also have to wonder if the fact that he's older probably isn't going to be a head coach again and probably going to stay here until, you know, whenever. How much did that play into Gundy's decision-making? That you've got a defensive coordinator who's probably going to be here till you retire. Or he does. Um, same thing with offense coordinator. You know, Mike Yurcich has been there for six seasons now. He hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet. It makes me wonder if he's just not great in a room. And and it's kind of a young man's game of they want the next hot thing to come run their 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 team. Unless, of course, you want to go grab the old guys who won national championships or who were really good back in the 90s. Um, but I just... I don't. I don't think he won't be a head coach. I just don't know when it's going to happen. Apparently, he was also in consideration for the Bowling Green job, which went to Boston College's offense coordinator, which is weird. Yeah, a bad hire. I I like Mike Yersich. I do. I think he's done a really good job. People who don't like him, that's fine. It's easy to blame the offense coordinator. He didn't do a great job this year. We'll all admit that. Another did Gundy. This has been a really disappointing season, but it doesn't make me think Mike Yersich isn't a good offense coordinator. Um, I just. I don't know where you go to find a guy that's going to fit Mike Gundy's criteria of having either played or coached here before that you think is going to stick around for a while because I just don't think he wants someone who's going to who's going to leave after two years and go be a head coach, even though that's exactly what he should do, is get guys in here who are going to be here for a few years, be really good, go be a head coach, and then lure the next hot offensive coordinator in. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the hard part with it is I, I want to see Mike Gundy go and get kind of the – Splashy hire, you know. I think, and I think Grant Harrell's a great pick. He's kind of the guy that I think I thought of initially for that I think Wes Miles should go poach at KU, um, just to bring in some some fresh blood. But and he's a guy, and I think Grant Harrell's going to be a great offense coordinator. He's done some good stuff in North Texas, and I think he's going to be a great guy moving forward. And I'd love to see him, you know him come to Oklahoma State and run the offense. I think he'd do a great job. But I just, like I said, I, have, I just have an odd feeling that Mike Yersich is going to be back next season. I, I don't foresee him getting such a Michigan job. Um, I, I assume they'll probably be up for a couple other, you know, group of five positions that they open up. But I just, I feel like he'll be running the offense again next year, and I think he'll be, I think it'll be fine. Um, obviously, he can. I mean, I'm not obviously he has recruited good quarterbacks in the past. Hopefully, they all pan out. But I think Gundy likes having him around. I, I expect him to be around next season as well. I'm not counting on him for sure being. Uh, a head coach somewhere else uh, in 2019. Yeah. Oh, one one side note. Uh, I've I've noticed it sounds like Bob Stitt, who's currently offensive analyst at Oklahoma State, is going to be the uh, offensive coordinator for um, Jake Spavadol down at Texas State. So, um, Bob, we barely got to know you. Uh, we barely got to know the fly sweep, and I'm really going to miss both of those, both you and your uh, offensive uh, tendencies next season. I am. Yeah, no, I really like what we did. We we had about, I don't know, a thousand jet sweeps this season. I think we gave it to the guy about eight times. So, you know, we, we, we barely got to know it. And I wish I could see what it does in the future. But, you know, I, I like what he brought to the offense. And I hope he sticks around. But, you know, I would not be surprised if he goes down to Texas State and takes that OC job there. All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, let's go to a little bit of basketball. This one kind of maybe chuckle a little bit. Uh, from at MK Raynaud. I'm not even going to try him. So I, I completely butchered that one. Great radio there. Uh, how much of Underwood's success is a direct result of sitting next to Coach Boynton? <laughs> that is, I love that, that is such a spicy, spiteful comment. I think Brad Underwood's a good coach. I do. We all know he is. No one's denying it. Um, 
I just think he's having a really tough time in Illinois. I think Illinois was was surprisingly a worse off program than Oklahoma State was, and there's yeah they're two and five. Their schedule's been really hard. He'll, he's he's probably going to turn that program around and and whatever. Like I, it's hard to really be like petty and jealous. Because in the end, we got Mike Boynton, and I'm happy with Mike Boynton. And I, it's kind of like being mad after you've got a new girlfriend that your girl ex girlfriend left you. Like you've got a new one. Like stop worrying about it. Just move on. I'm like, uh, it's it's funny to to poke at Brad just because it gets the the angry OSU fans like ire up. But like we have Mike Boynton, we're okay. We came out okay in this deal. Like we we got dumped by one supermodel and got another one. A little bit of younger one. Uh, I think we're okay. Yeah, I think we're just fine. It's just it made me chuckle when that one came across. So I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's funny. Oh, that, that's that's a good one. Uh, but no, I, I'm you know as you know, you know, j- jaded as we all were from when uh, Underwood left. I feel like we ended up in a better situation with Coach Boynton, especially long term. Uh, I really like where we're at right now. And so thanks, thanks, Coach Underwood, for bringing uh, Mike Boynton along with you for the one year you were here. Um, so I'm going to combine a couple of these questions here, kind of going back to the, the basketball standings. Um, you know, how, you know, how realistic is it that Oklahoma state finishes, you know, with how the season has started uh, playing as well, you know, as they have so far uh, based on the start, is it safe to revise that prediction that they will finish last in the 12? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a hard question to answer. Right. Because they look better than we thought they would. But at the same time, I think the middle of the Big 12 is better this year than it was last year. You know, Kansas is still good. Kansas State's good. Texas Tech's good. Texas looks good. I don't think OU's going to have the midseason collapse they did last year. Iowa State is better. TCU's probably as good as they were. And Baylor and West Virginia aren't as good. So I want to, I don't see a, you know, last year Iowa State was bad. I don't see an Iowa State. Maybe West Virginia is that bad, but I don't think they are. So, I don't, I don't think Oklahoma State finishes in last place, but if they do, I think there's as good a chance that there's a three-way tie for eighth, like eighth, ninth, and tenth, all have the same record, and then it's just a matter of tiebreakers. Right. I I just think the Big Twelve is that good this year. I don't I don't think there's a bad team that's going to finish with like three wins, four wins. I I just I could see OSU and Baylor both finishing with, you know six, seven wins in conference, which I know is underselling it, but okay, eight wins in conference and and finishing in last place, tied. I, that's just, I don't think they're a, la- they are not a last place team, but the Big 12 is so good and so deep, I could see them being a really good team and still finishing in last place just because of how deep the conference is. So do I think they're a 10th place team? No. Do I think someone will finish below them? Yes. Do I know who that is? I do not. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at as well. Uh, I think this team is much better than a 10th place team. I don't think that they're going to be so bad. They're going to be resigned to the, the seller by the middle of conference play. I just don't see that. But I think the schedule, the way it's kind of worked out, especially in conference, it could work out to where Oklahoma State can be at 500, a couple games above overall record, and still finish in last place. When you have three Saturday home games, you have multiple back-to-back road stretches in conference. Um just the way it kind of the schedule has worked out, I think that could play a factor in Oklahoma State finishing last. They are not a last place team. I think the ceiling for them is about sixth or seventh, but I, I don't think that this team will be so bad that they just end up in the cellar. I think it will be a combination of circumstances, the way the season is going, uh, 
that could end they could end up there, but I don't think they'll be there because they're a bad team. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right. So we're gonna do a little bit of predicting here. This is from uh St. Louis Pokes fan twenty one. Uh for which year in the future should I buy my final four tickets? Ooh. Let's see. Um twenty nineteen class So the twenty nineteen class that's coming in is gonna be really good. Next year's a good team. I don't think they're a final four team. Then you lose McGriff, Waters, and um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say twenty twenty one. That's the year I'm buying mine. I think at that point, uh the Boone twins and Watson and Anderson are juniors. Um, if the 2020 class is as good as the 2019 class, they're all sophomores. You've got some, some, maybe some seniors who, who are there from this class, like an E or, or, um, man, or, uh, or, or likely that, um, 2021, that would be my, my year to buy some final four tickets. Yeah. If I'm thinking 2021 or 2022, I think it's gonna be a lot closer than maybe some fans think, but you know, to have that. I don't think necessarily think they're a tournament team this year. If anything, they're a fringe and kind of like last year. Next year, they do make the tournament, and I think they're going to keep moving. I think they're going to be toward the top of the conference, top three, competing every year in about two years. Um, this, this, you know, what Coach Boyden is building here, it's happening quick, people. Uh, jump on board if you haven't already, and if you haven't, I don't know what you've been doing for the past 18 months. Um, oh, yeah. Next year is a tournament team. Like, oh, think yeah. about this roster now. You're You're only guaranteed to lose – really Cunningham as far as contributors. Someone else will leave because they've got four guys coming in. They're going to have to have another open scholarship, but maybe McGriff decides to go pro, go play overseas, you know, which would be, which would stink. I'd really like McGriff to come back one more season. I don't know, but likely for and likely after, you know, his freshman year, uh, weathers, I just next year's roster adding in the freshman class that's coming in. Ooh, <laughs> I hate to look that far past. Like I'm gonna enjoy this season for what it is. No doubt. But man, next season, oh, sign me up. Get me season tickets today. I don't care what the schedule. I don't care if it's a schedule of nothing. Get me tickets now. Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this season. It's gonna be a lot of fun. There's a lot to build on. There's you know the future's bright for this team and. I like what I'm seeing right now, and I know I'm going to like what I see in a couple months, hopefully. Uh, so this is the last question I think we're going to go on because we're running short on time here. Uh, this is my favorite one. This is this is the koozie question for me. Uh, from Kip Smith, former Oklahoma State punter, held the uh, held the kick from Ben Grogan that uh, helped us win Bedlam, all that good stuff. Shout out to him. Uh, got to talk to him a couple times. It was really cool. But he said, is Les Miles going to eat the turf at Kansas, or will they switch to grass surface immediately? Oh, is that Kip Smith? Oh, shoot. Yeah, ah. sweet. Okay. Uh, by the way, everyone who's Question we use, it gets a koozie. That's a yeah. good point. Um, well, if you're Kansas, I mean, honestly, I would actually have some individual pots of very high-end, expensive, freshly grown grass that someone just carries around that he can snack from as he wishes. He's only just pull it off the, the ground. He, he deserves some, you know, they, they, they save a little money. They get some nice high-end grass. You can just have a nice uh, buffet that sits over on the sideline that he can just pick and choose from whatever, whatever he's mood he's in. Yeah. I saw something. I think I saw a tweet from a Kansas fan the day that they hired Les Miles and said, all right, 
and I'm done with the turf. They need to put in some uh, three-inch Bermuda on the field now because my coach eats grass. He's like, oh, my God. That was funny. But, no, I think what they need to do is kind of do with, uh, what uh, Baltimore did for Ray Lewis when he came out was when uh, he came in the league, like he would take a little bit of grass and then eat it and then do his little dance. But when they moved to turf at the M&T Bank Stadium, they just put a little patch of grass and like a little plate that he would go and grab before the game started. So I think that's what they have to do. I think they could just put it like around the, you know, right around the goal line, you know, fourth down, field goal or whatever, and you just need something to munch on. You can just reach down on that little plate and have a little bit of grass to eat there. A nice silver serving tray with a cover on it, sitting on a little golden, uh, dainty cart that they wheel in. He unpulls the giant, giant cover off and takes his grass and eats and moves on, and they're ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the Mad Hatters back in the Big Twelve. Oh man. And we, we, Kansas might not be, but we are all the better for it. Oh, no doubt. It's, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm ready to cover Big 12 media days. That's going to be fun. That will be a, that will be a good time next year. Um, but I think that's what we're going to wrap up here. We had some good questions. Thank you to everyone that sent in, uh, sent in questions. We'll reach out to you and get your, just get a koozie. Uh, we really do appreciate it. They're pretty awesome. I use mine all the time. Um, it's good stuff. Uh, I think that's we're going to wrap up. Philip, where, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Follow me at OKTXARPoke, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. You can also follow my show, The 1012, which put up a new episode on Tuesday night. Uh, it's available on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can follow it on Twitter at 1012podcast. That's at the number 10, the number 12, the word podcast. Uh, you can follow me at JT Penfield. I'm going to shameless plug for a second. I started a a podcast with a couple of friends, uh, another site called Royals Farm Report. Uh, it's covering the minor leagues for the Kansas City Royals. It's a lot of fun. If you enjoy a good baseball conversation, help get through the offseason, uh, we, we do that. It's at Royals Farm. You can find it on SoundCloud. It's good stuff. Uh, I think we'll have another episode out later this week. So we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about, hopefully with some trades and all that. So Nice job, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but you're looking at the uh, the 2024 World Series champion, Kansas City Royals. <laughs> I'm calling it, it now. I'll put that on airways. Um, yeah, then be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Uh, we'll stay locked on the site. Hopefully, we'll, we'll have some stuff with basketball. Not a lot with football, at least until the bowl game, but uh, we'll see what happens there. And uh, we will see everyone uh, next week for the wrap-up of the basketball game, and then we'll have a bowl game to talk about.